welcome to Unbroken. I'm Alexandra Amor. I'm an author, a coach, and a lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life and the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including letting go of unwanted habits. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary Freedom from Overeating and Other Habits video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. And now, here's the show. Welcome to Unbroken, Becky Ganyan. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alexandra. It's good it's to be here. Good to have you here. I'm so glad to talk to you. So why don't you start out, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in the inside out understanding. Yeah. Um, so I kind of came into this understanding out of desperation, actually. Mm. I um, <laughs> I struggled for about 12 years with cycles of eating disorders which it started out as like kind of innocent dieting in my teenage years. And then that turned into kind of overly restrictive dieting where I, you know, lost too much weight. And then that turned in my body kind of fought back and I became a binge eater. And then I became a bulimic when I felt like I couldn't get the binge eating under control, but I still felt like I needed to lose weight. Um, so I struggled with that. And then there was depression and anxiety in there too, sort of just this overall feeling of kind of feeling lost, not feeling like myself, whatever that meant, like feeling like, you know, as one feels when they're just kind of over identified with their own mind, it's like, you know, since the mind changes with the weather, like it felt like I changed with the weather and just kind of feeling like, you know, I didn't know like why I was here. I always felt like I needed to lose weight or be better in some way or kind of prove my worth in some way. Um, so I struggled with that for about 12 years and tried a whole bunch of things from traditional therapy to um, different like spiritual understandings, um, techniques, different types of diets. Like I thought that if I just, I was just addicted to sugar or something or or like some kind of food. And if I eliminated that, then all the problems would go away. Um, but of course, none of, none of that really worked. Um, and just, I happened to stumble upon Dr. Amy Johnson, just from searching on Google, mm-hmm. um, for somebody to help me with binge eating. And I ended up doing, um, coaching with her for, um, I forget how long the package was, I think maybe nine months or something. and. Um, slowly but surely, I just kind of began to see things in a totally new way. And um, yeah, and then I trained with her uh, to be a coach. And now I, I coach people to to help with um, those same things and, and more. So yeah. You said something really interesting in there. You said your body, well, you said a few interesting things, but your body fought back with the binge yeah. eating. Can you say a bit more about what you what you see there? Yeah. So the way this looks to me is our body is really wise and wants to keep us alive. And so when we restrict too much, um, it takes that as kind of the mind kind of interprets that as like a period of starvation or restriction. And I mean, there's some 
brain science that kind of points back to like, you know, as we evolved, you know, the, the mind would kind of become obsessed with food after periods of non-restriction so that you would, if you saw like a bush of berries or whatever, you would <laughs> eat all of them, you know, in order to, um, you know, be able to stay alive for, for any upcoming periods of, of starvation. So that's kind of how I see um, how my brain reacted to that and just kind of how brains react to dieting in general. Um, I see this cycle with a lot of my clients too. It's where it's just like, anytime there's like some kind of restriction or, you know, they are trying to lose weight. And so they'll go on some kind of diet that's either eliminating a ton of different kinds of foods or just not enough, you know, they're trying to eat under a certain number of calories. And then, you know, binge eating is just sort of like almost like a natural rebound from that. So I just, yeah, <laughs> that that just looks kind of almost like cause and effect to me <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it, it, and the way you're describing it, it just sounds completely natural. You know, it doesn't sound unnormal when we're restricting so hard. Yeah. And it's so wise, you know, it's mm. like, it's so innocent. It's like the, yeah, like, of course that, you know, like our body wants to stay alive, <laughs> you know? So it's like, yeah. 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 Of course it's going to do that. And then yeah. another thing I love that you said was that you said, you thought that when your mind changed, like the weather that you changed as well. Can you, for our listeners, can you describe what you mean by that? Yeah. So I guess what I see about minds is that they're, they're always just kind of churning out information. They're like little computers that are just like, they're always kind of making predictions, analyzing the past. They're just always like computing. And what we see about it, when you really pay attention to it, like in one moment, in something that looks like a really good idea in will in another moment look like a really bad idea. Like you might do something, you know, one afternoon and then wake up at four in the morning being like, oh my gosh, that was a horrible decision. Why did I do that? <laughs> you know, like, and I just, you know, we, we see that about so many, so many different types of things. And I think that's why, you know, the, people talk about how the ego is like inherently insane, you know, and it, it like, I, I see, I feel like that's the mind too. It's just always in the moment, kind of just throwing out a bunch of ideas and they're not, none of them are like true or like necessarily good or anything like that. It's just kind of churning. And so when we're constantly focused on the mind, when, when it looks like that's who we are, which to most of us, that is, it does look like that's who we are because it's there all the time. It's literally, you know, in our head, like controlling the way that we see life a lot of the times like, when when we don't really see that there's another place to look we feel kind of crazy <laughs> like we're just going with you know if we it looks like you know that thing that we really really regret doing like was really wrong in this moment and how could i have done that and then the next thing you know you know you're doing it again and i felt this with food a lot right like my mind would tell me that it was like the best idea ever to go and binge and then 5 minutes later like beat me up for it <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. like it was it was your idea <laughs> you know <laughs> so right. yeah. yeah and how is that different from the constant that is you yeah the the constant to me sort of just feels like this this like oneness essence 
which sounds <laughs> like what? Like if you're not, you know, used to looking there. One way that I've heard it described that I really like is that it's kind of like the thing that's observing throughout your entire life, right? Like when you were a kid, it was there. It it was it was like observing and it was aware of everything that you were thinking and feeling and seeing and doing. And even though everything about you changed, including your body and your mind and your brain and your beliefs and your opinions and the fact that you have a name and all of those things, like even though all of that changed about you, it's still like you're still the one looking through those looking through the lens, <laughs> you know? So I think that's kind of like the easiest way to kind of get get an idea of it. It's like that awareness of of the whole thing. And I think when we sink into that, we kind of kind of have this feeling like that thing is connected to to everything. And it's sort of this peaceful presence that is never perturbed. Um and can't be like broken or tarnished in any way. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I, <laughs> what I see as that, that real you or yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so then what do you see kind of leading on from that as the difference then between the other sort of techniques and modalities that you try to heal your eating issues versus this one? Yeah. There so there are a lot <laughs> of things that are different. I think again, like that, that identification with the mind is, is really a key thing, seeing that we're not our mind. Mm -hmm. I, th I think a lot of um, like, you know, traditional therapy as, as I went through it, or um, a lot of like coaching practices, or even, you know, things like law of attraction type stuff, like it's all about like, changing thoughts with other thoughts, <laughs> replacing thoughts. And it's not that that's not, you know, that's not helpful. It's more that it's just because it is, I mean, I, I still like to kind of think about like how to view things in different ways. And, but I like to do that when it's available to me, <laughs> mm. you know, like when my mind is in a place where that kind of stuff can kind of, it feels natural. I think the main difference with this is seeing that like that mind is not you and those thoughts aren't you and those thoughts aren't true. So when we really see everything as that, um, yeah, every, everything changes. So I, I think another thing that kind of separates this understanding is, um, kind of along that vein, like we're not, I don't really see us as being in control of our thoughts, even though sometimes it looks like we are sometimes, like I said, we can kind of try on new ways of thinking or whatever. I don't really, I don't really see it that way. And that's, that's something that's like, I think really different about this. Um, it's, it's kind of like seeing our thoughts and feelings as the weather. Like we, no matter how hard we try, we can't change the weather. And if we do try to change the weather, you know, especially outside in the middle of a storm, <laughs> like it's going to be really, really, really frustrating and hard and we're not going to get anywhere, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that that was, um, another difference. And then just the, just the idea that like, there's a home to kind of come back to, you mm -hmm. know, I think that's, yeah, <laughs> like there's a, there's a peaceful, 
presence awareness that's just always there um that's not trying to judge a situation not trying to make it better not trying to get you out of a habit or anything like that it's just observing and I think being able to come back to that is so cool because even in those situations where you're like why did I do that or man I really wish I could do this thing or I'm going to do this or when we're kind of in that mind spinning place we know that like there's there's kind of more to see it's just that we're really pressed up against the glass um so yeah I don't know that was kind of an all over the place answer but it basically comes down to like instead of adding on strategies it's more of like a subtractive um way of seeing things Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. no, I thought your answer was great. And Mm -hmm. I'd love to know, your last point was about that sort of peaceful presence, that home base feeling. Was there anything that you did or saw that helped you to connect with that? Oh, that's such a good question. I honestly... I think... You know, there are there are some things that I can kind of think of to put us there. But I think one thing that comes to mind is just this idea that you're never disconnected from it. You know, <laughs> I think that usually people are like, OK, how do I connect to it or how do I like how do I feel that more? And just seeing that, like, that's a mind wanting to kind of perfect an experience as our minds are always doing in my mind too there are still moments where I'm like oh how do I like I want to be in the oneness more or whatever you know (laughs) (laughs) but just seeing that like that's exactly what a mind does and was designed to do is try to just like somehow optimize this experience or grab that one more thing um so just seeing that like even even as we're asking that question we're we're there (laughs) we can't we can't be disconnected from it you know Mm so I think that's that's kind of a key point. And then also, like I've seen, you know, I think a lot of people would point to like meditation or something like that. Personally, I don't have, I don't really meditate regularly. I, I've had some good meditation experiences, but I, again, I think that's like when it when that feels available and right to you, that's something to do. But it's kind of just sort of like stepping back and stepping back and stepping back from everything that you think defines you and your experience. You know, if you're wondering who you are, if you're not your name, if you're not your body, if you're not your life experience, if you're, if you're not your habits, if you're not, um, all of your opinions and beliefs, I don't know if I said that already, but yeah, like kind of if, if, if you think about what you're not, then what you are is kind of like the void in which all of those things arise, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So that's one, one thing that I think it can be kind of fun to play with when it feels fun to play with that, you know? Um, but, and it doesn't always, but just knowing that even if it doesn't feel available, you, you can't be disconnected from it. it. It just can't be. So. Right. Yeah. And that goes back to your point about the subtractive nature of this understanding. So where we want to grab onto doing something or figuring something out, there's actually so much less to do than we think there is, you know? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's so, thank God. Because this is so, when we're just trying to like add, I mean, I see so much about like, 
how to love yourself. And it's like all these practices, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and like all this, like do this for 20 minutes a day and then do this and then affirm this and all that. And it's like, oh my gosh, like it's a full-time job. Sometimes it feels like, but when we realize like, no, it's, it's so much simpler than that. It's, it's really just right there in front of us or even just in us all the time. Um, it's so nice. Cause we just like releasing is the, is the way, you know, and releasing feels so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So true. Um, so let's talk about your work a little bit. You have a post on your website about guilt and shame around specifically around food, um, and how, um, they aren't helpful. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think, um, we're used to seeing somewhere at somewhere along the line, we get told that guilt and shame are like really good motivators. <laughs> like I used to think that if I could like hate myself enough, then I would like have the motivation to like, <laughs> like starve myself more. You know what I mean? And I just don't see that as the way to lasting change anymore. You mm-hmm. know, it might influence behavior in the short term, you know, but it doesn't, it it just doesn't work long-term. And, and I think, so with food, especially, I think food is, I, personally, I think guilt and shame in, in any arena are actually not helpful. <laughs> I know that can sound like a kind of almost like a controversial thing to say, um, but that's just how I see it. But with food stuff in particular, it's such a good illustration because the, the, a lot of the times the reason why, I mean, the reason why we have any habit and and food or, or like comfort with food is one of those, like, it's because we're trying to avoid a painful feeling, really. It's like the mind solution to like, not feel something that's, that's going on. And shame feels really, really bad, (laughs) you know? So that's something that we want to avoid. So what I see a lot of the times is like people will have so carry so much shame around their body, like not being good enough, needing to lose weight, needing to change in some way. And then they'll sort of like feeling that, feeling all that heaviness that that brings, um, has us reaching for, you know, that food. And then it's like just this double whammy because then you feel so much shame around like doing the behavior. Right. And then that shame just makes you want to do the behavior more. So it becomes this, like this just awful, like spiral that just feels terrible, you know? And yeah, I think in general, like guilt and shame are just heavy thinking. Mm-hmm. Like they're just um, really like kind of some kind of replaying of like a painful past memory or belief. And we don't need to carry that around. In fact, and the ironic thing is when, when we're able to kind of release those stories a little bit or release our grip on them and feel whatever's coming up and sometimes do the habit, sometimes not, you know, like whatever. But when there's not that like heavy energy around it, it it, like 
things fall away so much more easily. You know, holding on to any kind of thought pattern isn't going to set you free. <laughs> it's like it's like it's it's sort of the opposite of of freedom. So yeah, that's um yeah, that's how I how I view those things now. <laughs> and do you do you find that your clients um have an easy time with letting go of shame and guilt or is that something they struggle with? I think it depends. Um Sometimes I think we're, we're all kind of waiting for permission to not have to carry those around <laughs> mm. and just having somebody be like, Hey, you know, like, I don't actually think those are helpful or serving you in any way. It's kind of like, Oh, like there's something in them that's kind of like, okay, good. You know, but, but I think it it can be hard, you know, if, if it's something that's really, um, that you felt for a long time, or especially if it looks to you and it usually does look to them at first, like it serves them in some way, you know, people usually think that if they didn't feel those things, then they would just, you know, if they weren't so concerned about body shame, then they would just eat all the time and just things would be so out of control and their binge eating would be worse, but they don't realize that like, it would actually be a lot better (laughs) if they, if they didn't feel those things. I guess I should clarify too, like, um, sometimes like those feelings come up when, when we're kind of programmed to, to feel them like they're going to bubble up, you know, maybe you eat something that you previously never allowed yourself to eat and you feel like a shame response to it kind of come up in your body. It's not about like fighting that or saying like, Oh, that's shame. I shouldn't feel that. It's just, you know, you can feel anything and, and like, welcome anything but just seeing that like you don't have to believe the story that it has around it you know I think is like kind of the key thing and the more we can ironically again it's like I feel like there's so many like things that look like contradictions with this but like if if you can feel that and just kind of be with it I think it it wants to kind of come up and out of your system but if you if we kind of sit there and like believe the story and think like okay well this is how I'm going to fix it or this is how I'm going to diet next time or whatever then Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah it's so interesting isn't it that feelings like guilt and shame only contribute to making a habit worse and yet we somehow we convince ourselves that those feelings are going to make it better and you know I myself who struggled for 30 years with overeating Um, I never figured that out until somebody pointed it out to me, you know, and you're right. It's just like, we, we just think, yeah, if I, if I felt more guilty or more shame, maybe this would get better. I don't know why we don't clue into that more quickly. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, yeah, I think. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. know why that latched on so well, you know? Mm -hmm. No, it's true. It's just, yeah. One of those crazy things about life. So, so on the kind of the flip side of this, you also share on your website that you think that bad habits are a gift. So tell us about that. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds ironic too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think something that I noticed with food behaviors that I definitely noticed with myself is we'll kind of like, kind of like I said before, like we engage in a behavior like that to not 
feel stuff. That's how kind of how it feels to me. And a lot of the times we kind of have these like running stories or beliefs in our head that um make a they're they're linked to things that are so painful that we like just don't want to look there. <laughs> you know, like in our mind will do kind of anything to get us to just not look there. And sometimes I would notice that I don't know, maybe I'd be like sitting watching TV and there would be something that would come up on the TV that kind of like hit something in me, you know, I I don't really love to like talk about triggers or whatever, but like, that's how it feels sometimes, right? Like we hear something and it, and, and, and then I would all of a sudden like kind of find my hand in a bag of chips (laughs) or, you know what I mean? Or like find myself walking over to the fridge (laughs) and I just began to kind of see like, wow, that's so interesting that, that that happens. Cause sometimes it really feels like, um, we just do these things really automatically. Mm -hmm. And we do that because I think because we're, we're trying to avoid like feeling whatever it was or, or, or kind of we're avoiding like the awareness of some kind of belief or story. And the cool thing is like that action of like going and doing that thing showed us that like <laughs> a lot of times I think like, you know, we're, we do these things because we feel like crap, but we don't realize that we like don't necessarily need to feel like crap. I mean, we kind of do because that's the human experience and we're in this contrast and whatever. But when it's something that we've just been holding onto so long, like some kind of belief, um, we don't like we we don't have to hold on to it. And our habit is almost like a little alarm clock that kind of wakes us up to this idea that like, oh, like there's something there that I'm believing. Like there's some false story here that I'm believing that I just haven't even been able to look at. Like I haven't even been able to like, and I don't want to say confront it because that sounds like you're about to like go to war with it, but it is kind of what it is. Like shine a light on it, I guess. It's like a gentler way, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think bad habits kind of feel like a gift in that way. Cause sometimes I'll be like, even still, I'll find myself like walking over to the fridge and I'm like, wait, I'm not like, Oh, like what? <laughs> Someone just said something. And I totally like, you know, it's, it like reminded me of something. And now I'm like, Oh, that's so nice that I have this little, <laughs> this little thing that my brain does to tell me like, no, it doesn't have to be so hard. Like life doesn't have to be so painful. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's how it looks to me. No, I totally agree. Yeah, I sort of use the analogy of the check engine light or. Yeah. Yeah. um, That. uh, Yeah, that those those behaviors, because we don't like them necessarily or they feel out of place, they are just like you said, a little a little alarm clock to wake us up to what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that analogy, Mm -hmm. the check engine light one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I love that, that on your coaching page, you mentioned that you help your clients come home to themselves. I just thought that was such a nice phrase made me feel so good. So can you tell us what that means to you? Yeah. I think this is, so the coming home to me, just means coming back to like we talked about, like coming back to that true you, mm-hmm. <laughs> which to me is kind of that awareness. It feels to me like 
and obviously I, I don't know if this is true, but it kind of feels to me like we kind of come into this life experience from the from the oneness that we all are. And we're seeking like contrast and we want to like kind of come into this life and play and and like do all these kind of like individual looking things. And like, I think we're built with this beautiful, like you said, like check engine light or like like a little alarm system to show us like, oh, hang on, like you're getting a little you're going a little far <laughs> into the <laughs> into the individual part like you're going a little far into the contrast like you can you can like back off of it you know and so yeah I think that is sort of what I help people see is that like there's there's a place to come back to when we're feeling not like ourselves you know people come usually feeling like they're in some kind of hell because they're like I've been trying to kick this habit for so long, it feels like it's ruining my life. It feels like it's stopping me from pursuing the things that I want to pursue. Um, and just kind of helping people see that like there's a home in themselves that has never left them that they can come back to. And it's always there and they can go out and they can play in the contrast and in the individual, but then always get to know that like they can they can come home to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, I really agree. I think that's something that, that we're not taught, you know, that, that yeah. we, we are our own safe place, um, that that peace and well being exists and is there, like we talked about earlier all the time, you don't need to even access it. It's just there. And it's just something that kind of escapes us as we go along. You mentioned, um, playing in the contrast. And I haven't heard that before. Can you explain what that means? <laughs> yeah, I think that probably came from, I, I don't know, like, um, I probably heard that from like Abraham Hicks or something. But like the contrast mm-hmm. to me is like, just like this, um, you know, because if we are all kind of just connected, and we're all this peaceful energy, it's like the idea that like, the contrast is like this idea that there are, are different things. <laughs> like there's a you, there's a me, there's like, my cat, there's a computer, there's a, you know, like these sort of boundaries that we, our mind kind of draws around things. And when we view life in that way, like it really actually gets to be kind of fun. You know, it's like when we get to, it's like a, I don't know, like a, a game almost like that we get to like experience all these like different kinds of emotions and different personalities and we get to kind of be in fear and be in happiness and all this stuff. So it's like getting to play with that and experience all of it and let all of it move through us is, is kind of like, there's just this giant, like fun game, (laughs) you know? So yeah, that's kind of what I think about when I think of contrast, like the, the individual separateness that, that we see like in this world. Um, that our brain is very much a part of and really, really good at playing. <laughs> like that is the the contrast. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and we're all coming up on the end of the interview here. I just wondered if there's anything you'd like to share about this understanding that we haven't touched on today. Uh, I think, um, I think one thing that comes to mind, like, is just kind of following 
following a feeling, following um, a curiosity towards it. I think sometimes, especially if people are new to seeing life this way, it can, there can be almost like a, like confusion or like, what are you talking about? Or like, like, but what about this? And what about this? And just knowing that like, that's all perfect and fine. And, um, and even if it doesn't look, you know, like life could be viewed this way, (laughs) um, kind of just knowing that like anything that you're going through is, is very, is temporary, you know? And, um, if, if people are going through pain or, or whatever, just knowing that like everything, um, everything moves through, <laughs> like life is just wanting to to move them through that. So, um, yeah, just kind of staying in, in curiosity and, and, and following that and just following sort of a peaceful feeling that you might get from hearing, um, you know, the stuff that you talked about on your, on your podcast and the stuff we talked about today. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that's a lovely point. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's great. <laughs> so where can we find out more about you and your work? Um, so my website, you can go to www.beccal.com that has, um, that's kind of, you can find everything there. Okay. Um, I have a podcast called the lived podcast that you can find on there. Um, and yeah, and you can find my Instagram. I sometimes post little things related to this understanding and you can always reach out for one-to-one coaching. I also have a little free community called soul huddles that meets once a month. Um, that is, yeah, it's completely free. People just join for zoom calls. It's kind of like an office hour style kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so those are all ways that you can find me and I'd love to hear from you and, um, yeah. (laughs) Nice. Okay, great. So I'll put links to those in the show notes so that people can find you. And just for those listening, I'm going to spell Becca L. So it's B E K A E L L E.com. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. It's just been so lovely talking to you, Becky. I appreciate it. It's been so lovely talking to you too. I'm so glad that we connected and yeah, (laughs) thank you for what you do. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Bye.